Hello and welcome to the Felix Club. This is the show where we talk with people from around the world about the news from the past month. This is episode number 26 for June 2010. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from all over the world to talk about the news from uh, the past month or so. Today we have a wonderful episode with uh, Turkey from Saudi Arabia and Kelly from the land of Canada and Randy from Hawaii. You thought it was going to end with an A, didn't you? Huh. How are you doing, everyone? I'm doing good here. Wonderful. Aloha. (laughs) So Randy is not actually from Hawaii, but you are in Hawaii, which is, you know, close enough. We'll get what we can. uh, We'll take what we can get. You've been there for what, a month? Right. And it it gives us credibility for being worldwide again, because we are (laughs) we are exactly all the way around the world from one another. Absolutely. We are. So you are. Yeah, you're 12 hours away from me on the, you know, on the clock, Randy. That's impressive. Yes, and and so that yeah, it's impressive that we're both awake, I think, is what's <laughs> impressive. And uh Kelly is of course uh in Canada right now, just close to the Where is the G20 happening? Toronto. Oh, so not so well, kind not of close. so close. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Where are you? No. I'm in Alberta. Really? I yeah. have no idea where that is. So Calgary. I'm going to sound surprised. <laughs> I live close to Calgary. Oh, okay. Where, you know, you have Olympics and stuff. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Turkey. <laughs> it wasn't that funny, Keddy. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. Uh, <laughs> Turkey, you're doing well. You're iPhone-less, apparently. Very uh, uh, bitter about the lack of iPhone 4. Hey, you're the one who are complaining about your iPhone, so I was just offering you a way to get rid of it. Just send it to me. That's all. Again, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's not this completely revolutionary thing that people are, you know, falling head over heels over. It's it's good. Hey, it's nice. Did, but... did Steve say it was revolutionary? I don't think he did. But he did say uh, it's a lot more than what you thought it was going to be. And so no, it's a actually... lot more. End of, end of topic. <laughs> Steve said it. End of this. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> My um, carrier site says it changes everything again. Yeah, there it's you go. the tagline. It, it doesn't change everything I again. Don't know. No, it changes some things. I anyway. don't think we even have it in Canada yet either. Turkey. You, yeah, that's right. Yeah, thank you. You no, don't get you're, anything. You're, you're getting it next month. Oh. See, well, we're not lucky. getting it until September, I think. Just send me, send me <laughs> something like you know seven seven hundred euros. I'll uh, I'll uh, should, FedEx one know, to you. You know, Patrick, you should have picked up two and send them here. I could have sold them for you double the price. Really. Yes. Oh, we can still do that. Let, let's talk <laughs> after the show. We're going to start an illegal uh, iPhone smuggling operation. Uh, so I hope you guys have uh, lots of interesting stuff to talk about because my basically what dominated the world news for me uh, in the past month was World Cup and horrible performance by the French team. 
So I will give you guys a choice. We can either start with other topics and finish beautifully with the World Cup and all its woes, or we can start with the lighthearted, uh, interesting, funny World Cup stuff and then finish with horrible news about people getting killed or something. What do you guys? Oh think? wow! What a what a oh. great decision. <laughs> yes, yes. So either we start with the World Cup or we start with the World Cup. Interesting. <laughs> Really I, I, I think I want to start with the World Cup just to make fun of you, Patrick, and your lousy team. <laughs> I don't understand what you say. <laughs> All right, so let, let's humor Mr. Turkey, and uh, we'll, we'll start with the World Cup if you guys want. Do, do you want me to give you the, the, uh, the report on how it's been going in France, and then you can tell me how you saw it, or do you want to start and then have the surprise of how we took our, our amazing performance. You went on strike? <laughs> how did you guess? We're, I'm going to guess that someone burned a car. <laughs> well, if you multiply that by uh, a few hundreds, uh, you might get it right. Um, so, okay, for people who have been living under a rock, uh, the French team was participating in the World Cup, of course, and uh, they were, I, I don't think they were the, the favorites by far, but they were definitely in the leading, uh, uh, you know, the, the leading teams, maybe the top five, maybe a little bit less. Um, and for the first few matches, which led to their exclusion of the World Cup, they made possibly the worst performance of their whole career and history in the past 50 years. And not only did they not play well, the reason why they didn't they, they didn't perform well was that apparently, I'm saying apparently because I only heard about all this, I'm not a big football fan, but uh, it made so much noise in the press and in the, 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 you know, in the country in general that Everyone was talking about this. So apparently, the reason why they didn't manage to even, you know, play remotely well at any point was that they were playing in a very individual manner, like very selfish, trying to hug the ball and to go, uh, you know, on their own as far as possible, not playing as a team. So if they had played, you know, if they had lost but played in a in a in a uh, respectful way, I think it might not have been that bad. But the fact that they were so horribly uh, um, uh, selfish in the in the the games really played against them and helped build that uh, antagonistic feeling against the team because now it's really they are hated like no one else has been hated in the country in a very long time so not only were they playing really badly and losing to teams that were ranking far below them but after that apparently after the first uh, match uh, there was a fight uh, at uh, halftime between one of the players and the, maybe the captain of the team and uh, okay. the, the the coach Uh, yeah, but with the captain of the team and the coach. So subsequent to that uh, fight, which was reported on the news by we don't really know who, um, he was expelled. And on the day after that, they were supposed to have a public training session, um, which a lot of people had gone to, to, you know, uh, uh, look at, watch the team train, the team that they love. And they 
got out of the, the bus, went on the field, and apparently one of them got in a fight with the physical uh, uh, trainer guy. And after that fight, they all went back into the bus and went on strike. I kid you not, they actually <laughs> went on strike. Like, it's, it's, if, if you want to try and be even more uh, stereotypical, I don't think it's possible. Um, they, they, so they went on strike, which, after their horrible performance, threw the whole uh, country into a frenzy against the team. And they didn't play. They actually wrote a, a note, a, f a stupid statement that they had their uh, coach read to the press. And that was a, an explosion of hate in the country. The, the press was having titles like, don't, you know, shed a tear or a, a, a moment of thought for that team. They are, they are shameful. They do not deserve it, blah, 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 all of that. And the day after that, they went for their what will be their last match in that World Cup and performed even less well than they had before, getting beaten by uh, the South African team, which is ranking ridiculously lower than themselves. Um, so basically, this is a long explanation to let you know that they are honestly completely hated by everyone in the country. They are, we have... As a as a you know society, no respect, no love, no uh, uh, pity for them, and the fact that they make so much money and are supposed to represent the country uh, in that sports encounter makes it even worse, um, and really condemns them to, I think, a lifetime of scorn at this point. And that's where we are. Now that I'm, I'm guessing that's the point where you say that you guys couldn't stop yourselves from laughing of seeing all of this happening, right? Randy, let's start with Randy. With No, with the French story, it, no, it was impossible to laugh, at, you know, when at the same time Italy was melting down and that was a lot funnier. And there was, was at the time... At the time, there was a lot of concern that England was going to be ousted in the first round. And, of course, also uh, among the top half-ranked teams, Denmark uh, was ousted in the first round. And so there, there were some funnier things. Like what was going on, um, at least in what we could read and see, what we saw on TV about the French, was just sad. It was just depressing. It just, uh, I mean... I'm I sure know, Turkey uh, will manage to laugh about it, oh, but uh, we'll see. Right, because he, he will personalize <laughs> you into the story and then laugh. He's already laughing. I can hear him laughing from from whatever this is. 14,000 miles away, I can hear him laugh. <laughs> okay, so for you, it was just sad? You you were sad right, the for French us. The French dust-up was sad. Um, it, it was much funnier how the Italians broke down because... Uh, I, you know, the French team went home. I imagine the Italian team just had to go somewhere else in the world, but Italy. You know, they, they, they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't vilified the way the French team were. They, they were just, you know, uh, they just could never, ever step foot in public again and and be considered, you know, a citizen of Italy. Really? Yeah. Well, from here, it sure felt like the French team was even... Because I don't know if the Italian team was... You know, they didn't play well, but 
didn't they at least play together? The, one of the biggest things we heard about the French team was they didn't even play together. There were comments going around saying things like, uh, you know, if, if you want to see to play individually, go play tennis or something. Or one of the funnier ones was, was you know, the French team plays with blue colors. So right. uh, we call them the blues. And uh, people were saying, well, if you want to watch Blues win, then you should go watch Avatar and stuff like that, which was funny. Wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was really hard. I think, I think the reason is that uh, the French were more of a soap opera team than, <laughs> than the Italians. The Italians just didn't play good, but the French did a lot to make the whole game exciting, even with their poor playing. <laughs> with the strike and the uh, player being kicked off and sent back home and the coach and everything. Just... So you heard about the strike? Yes, of course I heard about the strike. <laughs> Although, to be honest, I haven't seen a single game in the World Cup because I really don't care about soccer or football or whatever. No, me neither. It's just the, but, the drama but, around it. it but it the makes drama it around it and the news and Saudi culture is a huge football culture and they've been following the World Cup like crazy. Just in all the news, with the TV, online, newspapers. So you can't miss it. So apparently, but the French were topping everything. <laughs> so how did you guys hear about the strike? Was it like, oh, they're going on strike, that's weird? Or they're going on strike, here go the French, pe here the French people go again, it's not surprising? Uh, I don't think the writers kept in mind that the French usually strike. They just said, what are these idiots doing a strike during a game? <laughs> Who strikes at playing a football game? <laughs> For Fair God's enough. sake, it's not like they're poor. Yeah, they're they're getting minimum wage, so they're complaining they want more. It, th there was actually uh, a lot of uh, you know people were were making sure that in the government wanted to make sure that they wouldn't get the money that they were supposed to get for, you know, playing, for representing the yeah. country. Yeah, um, didn't they come in a, a, a gigantic, I think, 747 jet or something, first class or, and so on? Of course. And they left, yeah. and they left on a private jet completely rented, not private jet, uh, what do you call these jets for tourism? Charter. Charter a charter jet that's completely uh, traveler class. Yeah. So, I, I'm not, I don't know about that, but they did say class. no, no, that, that right. wasn't the news. The okay, Saudis were happy about writing that. They left on a charter flight, <laughs> economy and they did class, say, and completely they, humiliated. They did say that they were uh, going to make sure themselves that they weren't, you know, they were not going to get the 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 benefits from, uh, you know, the monetary benefits from all of this. Uh, their sponsors left them uh, immediately after that strike announcement, and were even going to have some sort of congressional uh, or parliamentary uh, commission to look into what happened and make sure that things, you know, get, there are consequences about this. Um, Kelly. I got nothing. I, I've, <laughs> I listen to the radio and I hear snippets about the World Cup, but I, all You mean I the know World is Cup is not a big thing for you guys? Well, it is, but not for me. Like, Aww. all I hear about is, oh, I hate the Vuvuzela and, <laughs> um... I, I I missed this whole France thing. It's kind of an awesome story, but I must have not been listening to the radio that day. Well, so, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I got, so I got nothing. But um, 
the, the I gotta, thing, I... a, quick, a quick World Cup update. Uruguay just won on South Korea and are qualifying for the quarterfinal. Right. As we're recording this, we are the first round has just ended yesterday, and the second round is starting. Or, you know, just the first game of the second round has just been played, and we're about two hours before kickoff in uh, USA versus Ghana, and uh, it, it's it's very odd uh, how in Canada where Kelly is, they are a part of the you know the British Commonwealth, and one of the few countries around the world that's a part of the British Commonwealth that is just really uninterested in football. It just doesn't play there. That's it's, Yeah, it's that's strange. the other thing I wanted to talk about, which was how uh, much of uh, how much bigger it's getting in, I, I was going to say in North America, but apparently it's only the U.S. because you guys are winning stuff. Uh, because for people who don't know, uh, Randy is originally from the U.S. He's now living in Canada, but for a few weeks in in Hawaii now, but uh, right. yeah, so it's it's apparently it's not that big in Canada, just in the U.S. It just well, isn't, it is. uh, you know. Eh. But Canada is Canada is so big and pop and and not populous, and and so Canada is you know this really spread out country where you don't have uh, population centers that have anything to do with other population centers. And so it, it's a country that has room for like one organized sport, and boy, boy, do they pay attention to that one organized sport. But it's not soccer. So it, to make them pay attention to soccer, we should give them like sticks to heat, hit each other with, or something. <laughs> More cars and flammable fluids. <laughs> so. Randy, in the U.S., they have been paying attention to it now. Is it only because all of a sudden the U.S. team is performing, you know, well? I was going to say m m moderately well, but considering what my team has been doing, I don't think I can say that. <laughs> I, the, US, the U.S. has been performing well if you look at it on a long scale. And so, uh, you know, there are more people that are paying attention to the World Cup in the United States than four years ago, and there were more people four years ago than four years before that, and so forth. It's just a, it's a long growth for interest in, in the sport in the United States. And it, of course, yes, a, a part of that rides on the back of the national team, you know, getting better and, and having better results from every, you know, every four years to the next four years. But there's, there's a, a heck of a lot more to it than just that. Uh, for, for one thing, if you're just comparing the United States and Canada, all over the southern part of the United States, you have the kind of weather where soccer can be played, you know, nine or ten months out of the year. Whereas in Canada, get, you know, getting the the growth from the the kids on upward is is much more difficult because there aren't a lot of areas where you can play soccer, you know, comfortably for more than three or four months out of the year. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, Kelly. Anything uh, more inspiring at this point, or do you just not care about the World Cup? Um, yeah, the soccer in general, and I don't, know. I don't know. Like, there's there's certain probably pockets of uh, World Cup fanaticism, like in Calgary and uh, probably Vancouver and in Toronto, um, because there's a lot of people right, from other countries where where exactly. football yeah, is there, huge. It's fanaticism. It's a fanaticism for country, every other country in the world. It's cultural. You know, that, it's totally cultural. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so the U.S. is getting to to our uh, uh, well, I would I shouldn't say to our uh, hobbies, but the Canada not really. Um, but <laughs> so, do you think that the U.S. is still going to be paying attention after the World Cup ends, or is it going to go back in the closet and uh, you're going to go back to you know baseball and and that weird football that you play? Well, that's that's definitely the truth. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It's not like after the World Cup's over, if the United States has a friendly match with Barbados, that so there are going to be 80,000 people there, and it's going to be on, you know, it's going to be televised, and, and millions will watch. That's That won't happen. And it, I don't think you'll really ever see that level of interest in the United States. But, the, you know, the, the main thing I think we're learning is that the game is in a bit of a decline among the European teams, Right. There were 13 European teams that started the cup, and seven of them were taken out in the first round. It's just well, remarkable. All the, all the big ones, except for the UK, have been taken out, right? And Germany is, is still in the, oh. in the, in the cup. Um, and Germany is... Yeah. Or Netherlands, whatever you want to call it. Right, the Dutch are in. Um, but but uh, it's that's a that's a big surprise, all the, all the European teams that didn't make it. And I think that the the story every four years that interests the world uh, at most is is the participation of the teams from Africa. You know, this year there were six countries from Africa. Uh, only Ghana made it to the second round, and you know they're facing the U.S. today. And it's it's uh, the U.S. is a lot like Africa in that regard. Uh, mm. Can put on a big can put on a, a lot of bluster. But will they, you know, will they actually dance on the on the dance floor? And, and the answer is usually no. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, I guess that at this point, we're not really going to be paying attention uh, anymore in France. But uh, still, I think we are. Maybe it's just me, but I think we're still a little bit interested in uh, how the U.S. is going to to do. Uh, that's something that I think I'll, I'll follow with the corner of my eye, but probably not well, much more. Well, if, if, if France is anything like us, they're definitely going to follow it until the end. Until the end? Oh, well, yes. yeah, probably the other people. You know, there was a lot of, uh, of interesting uh, commercial uh, marketing promotions uh, happening before the World Cup started. And uh, the, all of these were like, if you buy your TV here now... We will uh, reimburse it to you if the French team wins the World Cup. <laughs> so I think a lot wow. of people are. I think those yeah. people are celebrating. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the managers from these shops are pretty happy. They must be the only ones in the country, though. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, let's move on to something else. Uh, the other international story that we had was, uh, as Kelly was saying earlier, uh, the, the G20, G8 slash G20 uh, happening uh, in Canada right now. Um, from what I understand, there are two main uh, issues um, being discussed there. The first one would be Iran and, and North Korea. What are we going to do to, to, you know, make sure they don't do anything bad? And the other one would be, it's a little bit more surprising. It would be, uh, well, not surprising, but how do we make sure that the banks are um, reined in and don't do anything stupid again 
and at the same time make sure that uh, uh, growth is not threatened. And the slightly annoying thing is that apparently everyone was agreeing a year ago, and now everyone's saying, well, half of the people, the the, the European or uh, the countries in the West still want to do something about it, and the countries like you know China and and more emerging countries are saying we don't have a problem and our growth should not be threatened, so stop being a pain, and it does worry me a little bit. Um, but I guess you know uh, Kelly, you're you're in the middle of all this, right? Mm. What do you think? Um. <laughs> This is such a political issue. I'm afraid to uh, comment too much. Are we like you're asking me about the no what, the banks? It, no, just you know what what is happening in Canada in regards to okay. the G8. You know, no nothing. Um, and and also, please don't be afraid to say something stupid because that's the norm <laughs> uh, in this show. So, uh, the big thing in Canada right now is. Um, the, the spending that's going on for the G, the, the G20 because um, they're holding it in um, Toronto. So this is a, a major city center. They're holding it in, in downtown Toronto. So the security measures are reaching, I can't remember the number. It's a very big number um, for the, the money they're dishing out for security measures. And uh, I, there's a perimeter downtown I, Toronto. Kelly, yeah. I just saw it right now on CNN. It's one billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what we're. That's what we've been hearing is that yeah. that the total budget for just security is a billion dollars. A big, yeah. holy moly! You would that... not believe what's going on. Like the downtown Toronto is a ghost town. There's nobody down there. There's police on every corner. There's, they're expecting protests. There was a small, well, a rather large one on Friday where just a couple of arrests were made. And, um, there's a a tent city going up in a, in a park in Toronto. Um, they're going to camp out all weekend to, uh, draw the world leaders minds toward the fact that, uh, people are living like that and um but yeah the big issue is all of the spending that's going towards this very lavish um event that nobody really sees any um results from uh randy probably knows a little bit more about it but i know that the the whole thing is very showy like they built an indoor lake to, what? to show off, <laughs> yeah, the sh- to show what? off the cottage country of Ontario and demonstrate the importance of the environment, and I'm like, you're in cottage country, like just go to a lake, like I, I don't know uh, that if it's is to the, protect them, but that is the funniest thing too because they spent uh, they spent twenty three million dollars on this media center with a two million dollar lake in the middle of it, and then. Uh, they they called it the Experience Canada Pavilion. I love that. <laughs> it's in Canada, like it's it's quite. I have to say. Well, first of all, for me personally, one billion dollars on security. I don't care what it is. Nothing like that is worth a billion dollars. I mean, I understand it's all the world's leaders and they have to be protected. And of course, rationally, I understand this. But one billion dollars. They. The the other thing that I related to immediately 
is what you were saying, Kelly. It doesn't seem like all of this is ever doing anything. Uh, I'm sure it's only a perception issue, but definitely it does feel like all of this is always talk, 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 talk. It does. It doesn't lead to anything. Like the 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 one well, main Patrick, issue yeah. is is the the creation of a tax, a bank tax that we are very much in favor for, um, but other countries like Brazil or India or China are don't want to see happen for the reasons I was saying before. But the point being, it's always it's never yielding actual results. And if you're spending a billion dollars just for protection, just do it via Skype. You know, everyone in their office, connect on Skype, you chat, you can do it every day if you want. It's not going to cost a lot of money. Well, well, to be, let's, let's be honest. Uh, it's, it's true. Billion dollars is a lot and it's a lot of expense. But if you really look into it, deep into it, with um, the amount of money that ends up transferring between these countries just from agreements and meetings, it's going to exceed that uh, hundreds of times at least. So there is a benefit, but... What we're looking at, what we don't look at these benefits because that's not what they usually put in the news, which is basically what they're putting in the news is all of these great uh, announcements of agreement between the 20 states. But if you look between one state and another, between each two states and so on, there's a lot of money going around. So you're talking about commercial agreements? Yes. Mm. Yes. So there is a benefit from these meetings, uh, and usually these leaders, they always usually have with them a lot of some, a number of their ministers, a number of their business le leaders in, in their uh, group, and they usually do end up having meetings, and a lot of deals are done during the right. G20. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's something we don't really, but we don't really see it because no one reports on it. The, the main, well, I might be overstating it a little bit, but the main aspect of the G8 and the G20 are always very political. Uh, and, and that's the main thing we focus on. And I would go even farther, that might be because of the socialist nature of our beautiful country, but if we were to talk about the commercial agreements, it would be regarded with a little bit of uh, disdain. Um, I, I, I don't think it would be exactly disdain, but it, how, can I, how can I say it? It's, it would be looked down on. Again, if we talk about money, it would be, oh, look at the, the great people, the greats of the, this world making uh, uh, money, exchanging money and, and doing commercial stuff where, when uh, the poorer people in this world are, are dying of hunger. So it, we wouldn't see it with a completely positive uh, spin. Anyway, I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place here. Um, um, yeah, Kelly? The, uh, well, the Prime Minister of Canada's main... Um, goal here is uh, uh, trying to convince other countries to put money into um, maternal and child health care in, in developing countries, like saving children's and mothers' lives because so many women are dying in childbirth. And they're trying to convince other countries to put money into developing those programs to, to promote the health of ma maternal health. Mm. It's, it's, it's always a difficult... Uh a difficult thing here because of course we know that we could be doing more but it's always like how much do you need to do 
how much are you expected to do? And at one point, if it's not efficient, or if you're already sending that much money, how much more do you need to send for it to start working? Or, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's easy to go for us to go to the, oh, yes, we could be sending so much more because we're spending, I don't know, a billion dollars on security, for example, or whatever, you know, the, some money on, on the French team or a basket of, of a football team or, but I don't know. It's, it's, we would easily go to, horrible capitalistic uh spirit we should be doing more for the third world i don't know if it's if it's if it's that easy of a situation mm -hmm. i don't know uh it's, it's definitely not that easy of a situation uh you know with, as evidenced by how Im impossible it is for uh, what these nations do when they get together to then actually enact what they say they want to after the fact it, well, it's I, I would go I even know, farther I, I i would go even farther the thing is we are sending a lot we as you know the the the, the um west is sending a lot of money in uh developing countries and and third world countries and there is always more we could be doing i guess you know if if a lot of the the feelings that I see in France, again, I'm I'm trying to to analyze it from my uh, uh, perspective, is when you have money, there are these people who look at you thinking, well, you have this and that, and some people have nothing. You should be a little bit ashamed. But then you look at them and you, you're you're thinking, well, you have you know a car or you have. Uh, you just bought a PlayStation or a TV. How much do you have to give up for it to mean that you actually have given up enough? I don't know if that even makes sense. but um, uh, Randy, uh, about... Uh, uh, oh, God, I'm really tired today. Sorry. Um, how are, is the G8, uh, G20 being perceived from there? Not much. It, you know, I, I realize I, it seems like every time I'm on the Phileas Club, you ask me about the biggest piece of international news, and I say, <laughs> but the U.S. aren't really paying attention to it. And that's, that's the case. There, there's the usual reporting in the U.S., you know, telling you that, it, you know, that it's going to be happening on this date and that date, and that, you know, Canada is, is spending half a billion dollars flying F-18s over Toronto, and by the way, that's the major part of the security cost is jet fuel. And, uh, you know, that sort of thing. You, but, you heard that turkey snickered just when he said yes, that. Just, yes, I did. <laughs> yes. He, lives in a, he lives in a magical land where fuel is free. Anyway. Um, hey, it's not free. It's cheap. <laughs> uh, the, you know, so there's the usual reporting you would expect. But it's not even close to being headline news in the, this time when uh, the headline news in the United States at every minute of every day has been an ongoing uh, you know, fury about the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico. Right. There's just the, the G20. Uh, you know, there, uh, there was actually a round of media a couple of days ago that would... Ask the question: Are G20 talking about the oil spill? 
No? Okay, then that's not big names. <laughs> that, that was um, maybe we can talk about the oil spill uh, a little bit more, uh, because I want to hear about that. But before that, um, is there? Do, do you see from uh, Hawaii a difference in the... Because, okay, the image I would have of Hawaii is from... In mainland uh, US, you would have the regular mainland US thing. But in Hawaii, it, it's that resort islands that everyone talks about where everyone uh, ever talks about is you know beach and sun and tourists and uh, the whole economy being centered about tourism which doesn't doesn't really leave any room for anything else including things like the G20 or maybe even the oil, oil uh, spill am i, I i'm sure i'm people wrong people in hawaii but... are busy fighting the japanese occupation right now so that's what they're that's uh, hawaii hawaii is behind the times i'll give you that i don't know if we're 60 years behind the times but um <laughs> the, hey but you have the, one of the largest tourist attraction for japanese people is hawaii isn't that right that is correct in fact that's yes. that makes up in in dollars per person that makes up the largest share of hawaii's revenue is is from the japanese when um, i was living in japan I, it seemed like every other person was spending summer in in hawaii Right. Anyway. So you're correct. You're correct that there it's it's very an insular part of the world, but it has to be because it's so uh, remote. It's so distant from everything else. But to say it's not entirely politically minded is incorrect. In fact, I would say I would put Hawaii up there in states with uh, New York and California in, in terms of the interest in politics. It's just that because of the distance, Hawaii's interest in politics is a bit more local than than uh, most places in the mainland U.S. And the distance, I mean, you know, a, a news story like the oil spill, it just, it, its depth is based on how close you are to the oil spill. So in the United States, Hawaii is as far away from the oil spill as you could get. But it's still, if you if you pick up a newspaper in Hawaii, and, and one of the big things that happened in the last month is the two long-time major newspapers in Hawaii merged which is very odd. It's odd to see two newspapers that have stood uh, opposed to one another in, in a lot of ways for many, many decades, like a hundred years each, to just come together, and now they're the same thing. But uh, if, you, if you pick up the newspaper, you will see a story on the front page maybe four days a week here about the oil spill. Hmm. Uh, and uh, you know, you, then, like I say, a lot of local politics really... Uh, strange local politics in Hawaii, and I'll hit on that again later because one of the details is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in politics, and that's saying a lot. <laughs> All right. Sounds like something uh, worth listening to. Anyone else has anything about the G20? It, it only just started. It's not like there's so much to say, I suppose, at this point. Um, if we, no, if they're just... Uh, so, sorry. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. They're they're just focusing a lot on you know North Korea and Iran, and uh, Stephen Harper's main focus is maternal health, and um, the rest of the country is just rolling their eyes at the money that's being spent on world leaders that have not apparently led anybody anywhere. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. I guess that's a little bit harsh. It's the easy way mm -hmm. of seeing it, but yeah, uh, that's that's the common consensus and. Yeah. I mean, it's not entirely true, but yeah. 
We don't see results. All right. Um, well, let's move on to something else then. Um, well, Randy, you wanted to talk to us about that weird political thing. Let's no, start no, with that. We can, we can we can come back to that at the end of the show. Uh, the the it's just not. I can't even. I, I can't <laughs> okay. even go there yet. Okay, um, fine. <laughs> t- um, t- tell me, tell me. I would like to know from from your perspective what uh, what the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico has looked like. Um, well, you know, it's it's far away enough from us that it doesn't actually concern us directly and we're not threatened by it. But it certainly has an effect in like, you know, any oil spill would have. And we're not super oil company friendly to begin with. Uh, as you know, we have, of course, we use a lot of oil, but we also have uh, a lot of uh, uh, nuclear energy. So I would guess the way we see it is is not, oh my God, oil is horrible, look at that, look at what happened. It would be more along the lines of, you know, kind of subconsciously uh, something like, see, we told you, now let's get serious and get some uh, nuclear energy going. A little bit, you know, uh, because we we it's not like we're we, we're seriously considering alternative energies. You know, solar, wind, uh, all of that is not completely ready yet, and we know that. But the the, the immediate alternative we go to is nuclear, and I, I I think that maybe a few people have started changing their mind about nuclear in the U.S. after that, because it's the only one that's a serious alternative to, uh, to oil at this point. I don't know. That's the way I see it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I've got. <laughs> all right. Turkey, what do you have for us? Something wonderful, amazing, and not at all violent. Oh, you're picking it hard. <laughs> no, just just go with what you have. I know, you know, nonviolence is not easy for your your news. They they usually involve, you know, whiplashes, uh cutting of hands, stuff like that. Uh let's see. There's a huge war right now going on between the some religious leaders in Saudi. Oh, that ought to be fun. Go ahead. <laughs> Well, there's a huge argument about some uh, religious uh, laws and so on between different uh, religious leaders. And some of them have been coming out, uh, specifically, I can say about four, first to be specific, of them have come out and have been giving their opinions and giving fatwas in very controversial matters, which disagrees with the majority opinion. Hmm. which has been pissing a lot of uh, religious leaders who have been attacking them as well. So it's a, there's a huge religious fight going on right now in the media. So just so we understand, any uh, religious leader can go ahead and issue a fatwa on his own accord. He doesn't need, yes. you know, okay. So yes. can you give us a, a couple of examples of these laws that have been... Uh... Oh, awesome. Are, some of them are just plain stupid, some of them. For example, one religious leader, we have something in uh, Islam that's about uh, relationships. 
if a person, if a baby is uh, is breastfed from a woman who isn't his mother for a specific number of times, I think it's about five times, then he becomes uh, her son. Wow. Yeah, through breastfeeding. So, uh, Are you sure it's only have... five times? Because I'm telling you, when... When you have a baby and you're breastfeeding it, like five times could happen in a space of like six hours. <laughs> yeah, it's five times, and uh, which m makes him his mother. He cannot uh, marry her or marry her daughters or anything. He becomes like their brother and so on. So they marry become, her. That's just disturbing to think of. That he hey, would grow up to marry the woman that breastfed uh, him? He can't. He can't. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, that's that, probably a good law. Because she breastfed him, that yeah. cancels okay. it. Okay, she good. becomes his mother. Her daughters <laughs> become his sisters. Good. So he can't even marry her daughters. Okay. So, so you have this system here. This is a religious system. So one religious, one of the religious leaders got a question because we have adoption is not legal in Islamic law. Really? Well, in a way, you you can adopt a child, but when he's an adult, he is not a member of the family. He cannot. He he could still marry from from his parents, his sister, an adoption. Okay. He, uh, re, uh, and so on, and uh, and he can he doesn't t take the name of the family. He keeps his net family name. He's okay. Not change his family name and so on. So one person asked him a question. Apparently, this uh, they had a child who became an adult, and uh, by religious law, he he's supposed to get out of the house. He's not allowed to mix with the women of the house anymore, because he's not related to them. So they asked him about a way to make it legal religiously, because they're religious people. And he said, "Well, she could still breastfeed him even if he's an adult." Oh. Yeah, so, well, it's, he, she doesn't breast him directly from her breast. It's breast milk. She, put, she gives him five, five cups of breast milk and so on. And he becomes so part he of was, the family. Was that, geez, was that actually considered seriously? Or did everyone l l hear that answer and go like, what is he talking about? Please tell me it was the latter. Can you repeat that? I just wasn't uh, You weren't listening to me. Yeah, I wasn't. Sorry. Um, no, when, so when he came up with that answer, did people listen to it and think, yes, it makes sense? Or did everyone go, what the hell are you talking about? What was the reaction? What the that? hell are you talking about? Okay. okay. He was highly condemned. I see. So, and however, he used religious text to prove that it's okay. And and to be honest, if you look, you have to look at it from different aspects. And you, when you're looking at it, in my opinion, uh, I still think it's a crazy say, thing to say, but it sounds logical to me. It logical? makes life easier. Well, yeah, it's because in Islamic law, this kid, he, was gr he grew up with the family, but when he became an adult, he cannot mix with anymore with them. He can't even go in the house. He cannot meet his mother, who he raised him since he was like, three years old or five years old when they were adopted. W wouldn't the easier solution be to make him uh, an adoptive son to sort of create a status of that's, adoption? That, that's, against, that's against Islamic laws. But can't you make a fatwa that says, you no, know... No, 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 that's, that's strict and that's clear. That's in the Quran. No adoption is allowed. Oh, So th okay. there are laws that you cannot bring a fatwa 
for it because they're clear and they're final. Okay, so it's trying to find a, 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 a sort of a loop, a loophole yes. to allow yes. things. Okay. Yes, so that's one fatwa that has been controversial. Another fatwa, I mentioned it a long time ago, where one religious leader said there's not, nothing wrong about women and men mixing in public. Hmm. Uh, so that's one another fatwa has, that has been very controversial. There's another religious leader who said that uh, in Islamic law there is no clear uh, text that says singing is forbidden. Hmm. So and those three, for example, have been very controversial. It's been a huge thing in newspapers. People have been fighting over it. It's it's a, it's a big fuss going on here. So it's so. not just a one-sided, it's not like one, uh, one leader is coming under attack because what he's saying is, is controversial. It's more of a general atmosphere of religion is the different fatwas in general are becoming a little bit controversial. Some in one, you know, one side of the more liberal uh, aspects yeah. of it, one in the more... Yeah. Con is there yes. a, a reason why... All of a sudden, people would start questioning all, questioning all these uh, fatwas? Or? No, the people have always questioned fatwas from the older days, depending on who says it and uh, who, how many people agree with him. But in the older days, these fatwas would not come out because the media was more controlled. Huh. In recent years with, uh, with King Abdullah, the media has been more liberal and has been given more freedom, whether they're religious people or the media or liberals to speak out their minds. So these are becoming, and plus we have all of these uh, new media, you have the internet now, you have TV, satellite TVs and so on, which help to spread these fatwas now. And now they're becoming very controversial because uh, for these three fatwas, for example, are going against the norm. Hmm. And and that is pissing people off, in, especially the, the extremist religious people, because they have a system. That's it. End of story. You're not supposed to change anything. Hmm. This is how it works. That's end of it. So and, and and however, if you these fatwas, they are not completely brand new. They didn't bring something like out of the blue and said a fatwa. These fatwas are based on books that and, and fatwas that are five hundred, six hundred, one thousand years old. Hmm. But but nobody ever talked about them before. So d does anyone at this point look at the media and maybe even uh, King Abdullah and say, you know, th the media should be more controlled or King Abdullah is being too lax or, you know, things like that? Do oh, they ever yeah, turn their definitely. attention to that or... Definitely, definitely. There have been complaints, especially from the religious parties, that the media has been too relaxed. It's been, uh, they've been talking too much uh, and they shouldn't be talking about things and so on. So there has been from the, uh, mostly from the religious. Of course, the liberals also say the media is not open enough yet. We need okay. more freedom. So you have these two parties are fighting over it. One last question, which I'm actually surprised I didn't ask before. I don't think I did uh, ask about this on the show, but you mentioned the new media and the internet that help spread all of these uh, informations. How much 
are all of these being used? I mean, I know you're on uh, you're on Twitter yourself. You 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 use uh, Foursquare. You communicate quite yeah. a bit, and I see a few messages in in Arabic coming, uh, yeah. you know, coming from you from time to time. So I suspect you're not only speaking with your uh, American friends. You also have having a, an online life uh, inside Saudi Arabia, and of course you have uh, uh, blogs that you participate in. Um, how much of a, of a part of that of the media is this in general well the media now in saudi arabia when it comes to the internet is now huge uh we have a huge following for the internet uh surprisingly we have uh, the infrastructure has been developing very fast recently uh, the prices have been improving uh, it's been a lot easier for people to get online Uh, definitely, we uh, it's a huge demand for uh, websites, forums, and uh, Skype, for example. So yeah. the media is huge. Just about everybody now has a website. Everything uh, we have gotten to the point where marketing is also online. You can find ads, and they have a link for a Facebook page, Twitter account, YouTube page, and so on. And it's coming very uh, the norm right now here. So. So you've lived in the U.S. You obviously know a lot about you know the the way things work in in the West. Would you yeah. say it's about on par now with these kinds of uh, uh, levels? Uh, in a way, yes, it's kind of there. Uh, we still have the censorship, so we still have censorship here. Uh, however, uh, people who are serious about what they want to look for. They just go around the censorship. There's always ways, and it's it's not very not very difficult. Mm. I think uh, censorship is not as strict and as powerful as like in China. It's more targeted to the majority and the normal people, and uh, less about the experts or the professionals or the educated, mm. and because those people usually do find a way around. And uh, there has been a lot of go things going on online. The, a lot of news, Arabic newspapers have been coming up online. Uh, a lot of uh, online-only newspapers that were established. And uh, whether you get from liberals, extremists, uh, religious, moderates, so on, everybody now is online. Uh, Saudi Arabia now, is uh, every, uh, fiber optics is becoming everywhere. They're mm. installing fiber optics everywhere. People now are getting, uh, for example, 100 megabytes per second uh, speed on fiber optics. It costs about maybe, I think, right now, it costs about $120 a month and so okay. on. So an unlimited bandwidth. So. so it would seem that the cat is out of the bag, kind of. You, now, you know, the, the government is, or even the religious organizations, are never going to manage to control the information anymore once it's on the internet yeah okay. well they cannot control it anymore uh, there is censorship as i said but it's not uh, it's only practical for the average joe as you can say but for other people it's not they can find a ways around it and plus even now we have the internet has reached a point where the religious extremists the moderates and the liberals they all want the internet but they only want the pages they want of course each of one course, of them yeah. But they all want the internet because now they all have huge presence on the internet. It's the way for them to spread the word, spread their ideas, ideology, and so on. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, Kelly and Randy, you've been super silent. Anything you want to add before we move on to something else? 
I just enjoy my monthly update on Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you really can't. You can't get. Uh, admittedly, if you follow Turkey on Twitter, you can also find out where he's having coffee every morning. But um, you can't. There's just there aren't many people in Saudi Arabia who are getting on the internet like Turkey does and uh, just telling it like it is. It's nice. Well, actually, Randy, you just need to find them. There's a lot. Well, just and we're so, we're, speak, we're speaking just, different. I should have said speaking English. English. And, uh, no, yeah, English. Yeah, but, just go to the people who follow me on Twitter. You'll find at least 20 P uh, Saudis who write in English, and most of them will be females. Really? Ooh, that's yes. interesting. Would you have yeah. one person to recommend to, to uh, follow on Twitter, uh, uh, other uh, than you, if you had to choose just one? Just one. And... Well, kind of difficult. I'm trying to figure out who talks. If you want technology, there's a guy called Khalid. No, I, I well, he writes personally. A lot about technologies from Saudi, but he writes, of course, about Saudi as well. But it's mostly about technology. You have there's a person. I'd be interested uh, in, in hearing from a, a female perspective. Female. There's a couple of ladies I usually follow. Uh, there's uh, one called Manal. I think her ID is. Uh, M-A-N-O underscore. That's Manu underscore at, okay. at Manu underscore. Manal. And there's also, I believe her name is, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's M-I-S-M-A-N-O uh, underscore is from Pakistan. Wait. M-A-N-O underscore. She's from Pakistan. Which is interesting, also. But <laughs> let me let me send me send you the at the way it is. Maybe it's a zero, and I'm reading it now or something. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I'll I'll send it uh, uh, to you right now on the chat. There's two ladies. These are usually I follow. Them oh, it's two N's. That's why. Yeah. M A double N O underscore. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Manal and Miss Ice, I think that's what's 81. That's one word. So M-I-S-S-I-C-E-81. Yes. Cool. Well, I will go follow M-A-N-N-O underscore and hear more about Saudi Arabia. There you go. All right. Let's move on to something else. Who has something super interesting slash funny slash cool? I have something sort of interesting that I wanted to chat about when we were talking about the BP oil spill. Go ahead. If that's all right. Um, sure. So as I mentioned, I live in Alberta. Um, do you know what the oil sands are? Have you the heard oil of them? what? The oil sands. Uh, I am not sure I do. By all which right. I mean I don't. <laughs> so bad, Patrick. How could you not know that? <laughs> well, I, I actually do, but I want her to explain it in case someone <laughs> oh. else doesn't know. All right, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Good save, isn't it? Okay, Go ahead. So I'm going to do my best here. Um, the, uh, the oil sands are um, a project where they don't know the technical aspect, but they extract the oil from this uh, place up north in Alberta. It's very, very far north. No, but there's hardly any roads to get up there. Um, and it's a huge environmental debate in 
in Alberta and Canada and the world. Um, it was a huge target at the, um, oh, what was that uh, big summit they had in Sweden? Was it Sweden? The environmental conference they had? Possibly. Anyways, um, it, a lot of finger pointing at the Alberta oil stands. Anyways, um, so between the BP oil spill and the Alberta oil stands, there's been a lot of talk about um, what's worse, oil drilling or oil sands. And everybody points the finger at the other, oh, the oil sands are worse, worse mm. or oh, deep sea drilling is worse. And um, the, uh, the most recent story with the Alberta oil sands is... Uh, uh, two years ago, there was um, there. There's something called a tailing pond, where <laughs> I'm trying, <laughs> the uh, it's kind of like a. Um, Randy, do you know what a tailing pond is? A slag pit. It's where a all the crap goes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so this this company called Syncrude, they they work in the oil sands, and um, they're like around these tailing ponds. They're supposed to put things like. Um, air cannons and things to uh, scare away birds to keep them from landing in this slag pit. And uh, in 2008, 1,600 ducks landed in it and they all died because they... 1,600? 1,600 ducks. And just this week, they were found, like Syncrude was found guilty in the deaths of these ducks. Wait, uh, wait a second. There was a trial because the ducks died. I mean, well, it's, I'm sure it's, it's not, horrible that ducks die, but well, it was because they failed to protect the wildlife. Like it, it's um, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, the under the Environmental Protection Act and the Migratory Birds Something Act. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they they failed to um, take proper precautions while they're going about their business up there. So. That's a that's a big news story in Alberta because um you know everybody works in oil and it's all oil and all eyes are on the Alberta oil sands. So that was something I just wanted to comment on. You know I'm I'm actually I was wondering about this last month about the oil spill in uh, in you know in in Florida. And I guess the question applies here too when you're a large part of your economy depends on this industry how can you you know do, do you um still think oh it's a horrible you know mistake but we still should keep working in this because it's our livelihood or what's the sentiment there i guess i'm asking both for the uh, uh florida incident and the alberta incident does the population react maybe more mildly to it because they work in this or it is a little bit milder, but there's there's a lot of um, radical voices, like very loud voices against the oil sands and against um, <clears throat> any any kind of um, big project like that that has a, a huge environmental um, repercussion. Well, I uh, guess, yeah, the, the voices against are to be expected. Yeah. I guess what I'm wondering is, do you have voices for that are going to say, yeah, it was a mistake, we'll make yeah. sure it doesn't happen again, and we, we have to keep doing it, a apart from, you know, the, the oil companies, which are, of course, well, going to be... Well, the thing about the oil sands is you just, like, um, 
you just don't know how bad it is. Like there's so much information out there and everybody says something else about, you know, who's worse and what's worse and what's the worst way to get oil and the best way to get oil. There's people that say the oil sands is the worst thing to ever hit the face of the earth. Yeah. And then there the people that like scientists, I guess, I don't know if they're bought or whatever, but they're saying, well, no, it's not actually that bad. There's a lot of worse things we could be doing to get oil and are being done. So it's, it's hard because you just don't know what mm. to believe without being a, a, a scientist that's up there studying what's going on. Yeah. What about, what about uh, the BP thing, Brandy, in the U.S.? Is it coming to some kind of a conclusion at any time soon i guess it, it will it won't never until... come to a conclusion <laughs> okay just, that sounded ominous. oh cnn <laughs> put up an oil uh, an oil counter today mm. uh, so now so now you can go to cnn.com and see the scrolling and ever-increasing number of barrels of oil that have been deposited into the waters of the gulf of mexico and it's just every day it's another it's another level of hyperbole and and people just freaking out and uh, you know you were just reminding me of one of my favorite moments uh, in the oil spill which was on a, a political commentary show in May uh, a fellow by the name of George Will was trying to downplay the size of the spill and the impact of the spill Which is which is really odd that that's what the right wing has decided to do in the United States. I'm They exactly are actually doing it now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, uh, the, in in some parts of the left wing of the United States, they have stopped referring to the uh, the Republicans as the GOP, the Grand Old Party, and started calling them the GOBP, which I just think is <laughs> damn funny. But uh, anyway, so George Will is on this political commentary show. And he says, I'm quoting him because I have heard this quote so many times I can give it to you word for word. He said, by the way, wind farms kill a lot more birds daily than are probably going to be killed in this oil spill. And Jeez. it oh just, it's, it's mind-bogglingly incorrect. Uh, you know, and of course, immediately all sorts of numbers came out about how many birds are killed by wind farms because it's a significant number and it's in the hundreds of thousands per year. And, you know, depending on who you, and I'm talking about just in the United States, you know, depending on, on whose numbers you go with, but let's just say it's going to be six figures a year now. And so as there are more wind farms built, there are more birds being killed by them. But the the notion that Uh, the, the number daily is, is hugely significant, is, is totally destroyed when you find out how many, killed, how many birds are killed by flying into buildings or being struck by cars, where the numbers are in the millions and tens of millions. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really the human impact on bird populations is really, really variable. And the fact is that, you know, in the Gulf of Mexico, there are a couple of species that are being decimated by this thing and are, you know, there, there are some species that may not survive as a species as a result of this one oil spill. Uh, you know, the, the impact on, on all sorts of, of wildlife is just tremendous. But uh, the, the, the misstatements, the misinformation that's being put out, it are, it's just... 
it's out of this world. I can't even I can't give you an example of misinformation that makes sense, you know? Like there there's actually a contingent of people who believe that the entire oil spill could be cleaned up with hay. <laughs> Dry grass. I'm Jeez. not kidding. I got I got I, this this went around. I got an email from my mom with a video of these two good old boys from somewhere in the southern United States explaining how they were going to clean up the entire oil spill with hay. I, I this I'm not kidding. That that it's it's scary what uh, this this event has brought out of the woodwork. I guess the to start getting some kind of resolution. First of all, the the spill would have to be closed. So we're not there yet. Sorry, Kelly, you wanted to. Comment. Nothing. I was just gonna say I was guilty of retweeting that, or actually starting a tweet about that. <laughs> about the, about hay? the guys with the hay. About the hay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, when I mean, when you're talking about, uh, let's say someone was to spill a gallon of oil in your swimming pool, um, it's it's just very very different than when you were to spill uh, hundreds of millions of gallons of oil. Into you know a, a, a well, what, it's what? the ocean. So it's much bigger. Wh why doesn't BP just use hay if it's that easy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's just it's unbelievable though. Is there how... is there an estimation of how much oil is actually out there? Because it seems like it's been going on for so long. It should be close to being all you know spent and <laughs> and spilled. No, well, that's the only oh, that's number in my mind is the. My, money they spent to clean up up till now which is over two billion dollars they freaking should yes, there, but, there, yeah. there are estimates of the size of the oil reserve under the ocean floor and it's very large and if it was if it was just if this hole in it was left open it would continue to to spew for years or many years actually you know Jeez. so yeah they definitely have to do something about that uh the the total reserve down there is uh you know is in the hundreds of times uh greater than the amount that's that's come out so far all right uh you know what you were touting uh something kind of funny a little bit earlier or at least weird in an entertaining way could you please take our mind off of dying birds and uh oil spills and tell and, us about that and, and suicidal <laughs> french soccer players sure <laughs> Yes, so I uh, I am fortunate enough to have this opportunity to move to Hawaii and uh, find work here and get to live here, and I think it's fantastic. I, my very first day that I got to Hawaii, my my friend Chad took me on a drive around the island of Oahu, and it's political season in Hawaii. the the uh, the state House of Representatives, the state Senate the the mayoral races for you know mayor of honolulu are all going on right now and they are very high pitch and so one of the strange things to see in hawaii are all of the little signs that people put in the grass that tell you who they want you to vote for and you get to see all the names and names in hawaii are unusual you know names names in hawaii are in a lot of times in hawaiian you're better off if you have a sort of local name one of the candidates for hawaii house of representatives is uh doesn't have a local name he was born in utah and he's actually of uh tongan descent 
and he went to Wait, BYU. Wait, what's that? Is that like Indian or something? Uh, Tonga. It's an island in the South Pacific. Tonga. Oh, okay. Sorry. No problem. And so uh, seeing his name on these signs, among other names, uh, is just absolutely hard to take in. It's hard to believe that someone whose name is Richard Fail would <laughs> be running seriously for the, you know, uh, as the Republican nominee for the State House of Representatives. Oh, well, there you go. He's Republican, so it doesn't really... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his and his name really is Richard Fail, um, and his middle name. If if you don't like calling him Dick Fail, his <laughs> middle name, his middle name is Lee, which I like to give a sort of French twist to and call him Dick LaFail. I just think, I just think this guy, this guy has got the, the worst name I've I, that not just the worst name I've ever heard in, in politics, but just the worst uh, you you couldn't have a worse brand than his it, name it's it's uh it's fail f-a-l-e it's not f-a-i-l so oh, sure and it, if you wanted to if you wanted to say fale that would be fine <laughs> although it's very close to folly all of a sudden <laughs> which actually i think the word fail comes from the word folly or vice versa but either any way you spin it the guy is he's a white guy and so he's you, you can't you know you can't look at him and say he's Hawaiian so we're going to say Fale. He's he's Dick Fail and his signs tell you that he's Dick Fail and I just I I just can't believe that they're serious. I I can't believe it, it you keep thinking that they're going to wink at you, you know, and say, <laughs> "Okay, we're just kidding. We just picked the guy for his name and it, it was a joke." But it's You not know a what? Joke. You know I will go uh, the uh the other route. And think that with a name like that, he must have been bullied in school and uh, made fun of in college. And all of that, which are actually what freaks and geeks suffer, and that actually builds their characters and, and makes them better people in the end when they become adults because of all this. So I'm going to tell you that because of his name, he's probably better equipped to, to defend uh, his, his constituency, and he probably has a stronger character because of it. Okay, whatever. <laughs> that's, that's great. Great argument. <laughs> All right. Okay, I, I so, guess it's I a boy named Sue. Gotcha. What? <laughs> a boy named Sue? What's that? That's a song a by Cash uh, song. Johnny Cash. Oh, I don't listen it's to a, Johnny it's Cash. A, it's about a it's about a, a boy named Sue who grows up without a father, and all he ever does is fight, and he becomes tough and strong. Oh well, there you go. There's a boy named Fail. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, anyone else has anything else, or are we done? I have nothing happy. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't. There's been massive happy. flooding in my city. Really? Yeah. I was what whining happened? last weekend because I had a puddle of water in my in my my bedroom, which is in the the basement. Oh! And uh, next day, I realized people are like losing their farms, and parts of the the Trans Canada Highway are washed out, and it's just it's, it's been pretty bad, actually. Lots of lots of homes in my city are are uninhabitable. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Is 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 there some kind of governmental oversight that 
that led to that uh, flooding because they didn't spend the right money where they should have or something or uh no it's just the <coughs> that area i yeah. i mean there may have been i don't think there's any um uh what are those things called where they where they can release some of the water i'm not really oh, sure levees or yeah yeah levees but there i don't think there's anything like that in the south saskatchewan river but um so it's just yeah. been raining a lot it rained a lot and it doesn't like uh, it's a very arid climate it's a city called medicine hat and it's just you know <laughs> there there's nothing it's very dry it's a desert but um the the river rose and all those homes down in the the lower part of town are all wiped out there's farms um, so your your house actually got flooded yeah there was just a puddle and i was really whiny about it until i realized <laughs> what was going on <laughs> I kept well, vacuuming it up with a shop vac, and it kept coming back. And I'm like, wait, you no. vacuumed your puddle? Yeah, well, there, there's a vacuum you can use to vacuum up water. Oh, there is. Okay, you didn't use the regular vacuum. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I I just n heard about nothing other than football. It's been horrible. It, it, there's nothing <laughs> happening here except for that. Uh. We have a small human human star here in Riyadh. Uh, sure. Apparently, in what, there sorry? is uh, uh, in Riyadh. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, the king has uh, donated to bring uh, uh, twins who are joined, I think, by the head or something, from Iraq. From uh, to, to have an operation here in Riyadh to separate them. Okay, that's good. It's so, uh, yeah, one, I th and, and I think the interesting part is they're they're from the Najaf in Iraq, which most likely means they are Shias. Hmm. Yeah, so. Okay, I'm I'm probably going to make a lot of enemies and going to sound like the most har the most horrible person in the world, but. I would think that maybe there would be a possibility that, you know, uh, natal disform uh, dis deformities or things like uh, Siamese twins or things like that would have some sort of condemnation in in you know in Islam. I'm sure it's it's wrong, but that's where my mind goes. Somewhat the, se the separation of Siamese twins. No, 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 not the separation, but maybe you know yeah. that that it's it's horrible to say that, but it's uh, impure or you know it's it's oh, not. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry, like Turkey, that. you're you're silenting. You're becoming a silent. Can you turn uh, yeah, it off and back in? <laughs> what What fascinates me about conjoined twins is. That with uh, with every pair that is is brought into the media focus, depending on how much media focus is put on a particular pair of conjoined twins, the better the country they get to be flown to to be separated. <laughs> uh, I'm, I've always been fascinated by that. How yeah. if a, you know if the plight of conjoined twins who are attached at the chest really captures the hearts and minds of you know the US on a Wednesday morning because it's on the morning shows uh, all of a sudden the next thing you know they're being taken to Baltimore to be uh, fixed where whereas if it doesn't 
Uh, you might, you know, you and your your conjoined twin sibling, you might find yourself having to be operated on in Johannesburg or, or what have you. Well, I, that's <laughs> that's the way the world works, isn't it? If you if you get enough noise and enough attention, then you're mm. going to get better stuff than if you don't. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, let's be honest. It's uh, it's mostly propaganda, at the end. Uh, there, there, there must, there is uh, definitely someone who cares about it, who actually is doing it because he cares or something. But the, at the end, there's always propaganda linked to this whole process. And Saudi Arabia has been uh, very popular in the recent few, couple of years, I think, or three, with uh, separating uh, joint Siamese twins, joint uh, because the, and we have now been ranked as uh, the, one of the top experts in uh, these operations in the, in the Middle East. Mm. So you think it's propaganda giving a good name to Saudi Arabia or showing how expert they are in these things? or Both. It's, it's, it's definitely propaganda. There, nobody mm. would be uh, stupid enough to say, no, it's not propaganda. But uh, uh, definitely there are also people who care. Because these are the people who uh, come over, bring this uh, the word to the king, make sure that he knows about it. And of course, the king is definitely not doing it purely for propaganda. There's other ways to do things for propaganda purely. But propaganda is a major part of this whole thing. We've already, I think they've done, this team has done, I think, I'm not sure, about 20 operations already. They've done one for a Rom Romanian twin, uh, an operation, I think, for an Egyptian twins and uh, other nationalities as well as Saudis. You know what? Let's choose to look at it as a, a, a nice gesture from the Saudi government and put a nice spin on the end of the show to finish up the, you know, to end the show on a nice note. Let's do that. Why don't we? Uh, that means that I guess the show has reached uh, its end. Uh, before we go, I would like to give each one of you the opportunity to uh, tell us a little bit more about where people can find you. We've talked a little bit about Turkey's Twitter account uh, in the show. Why don't you tell us more about that, Turkey? Well, you can find me on Twitter. Where my account is at Saudi. And definitely you'll find out where I'm having my coffee, where I'm having my lunch and so and on. And your cigars. Don't forget the cigars. <laughs> and my cigars. That's, that, that's the most important thing. Some nice Cuban cigars. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Um, <clears throat> I don't do too much online, but you can find me at twitter.com slash Kishel and just find out about the little projects I've got going on and the trials and tribulations of a a new military mom wife <laughs> <laughs> you're you're um, you're doing uh some uh, um graphic work uh some, as as that's your job correct uh no like I, i've just finished my job because uh my husband just joined the navy so he's off so i'm at home i'm a stay-at-home mom again but uh i'm i'm that's what i do <laughs> i do graphic art and things like that but um Currently, there's no no projects besides the the fine movielicious posters <laughs> for the wonderful podcast, and um, that's about it. I, okay. I just tend to ramble once I start talking. Why? That's fine. <laughs> that's why we like you. No, there are many more reasons we like you, and you might find out most of them uh, if you go follow her on Twitter at Kishel. You're still uh, you still have a logged account, don't you? I do. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, and Mr. Deluxe, by which I mean Randy. RandyDeluxe.com. How about Twitter.com slash RandyDeluxe, which actually is fed onto RandyDeluxe.com. But anyway, um, of course, uh, I am. I participate in a number of podcasts, and my favorite podcast of my life right now is FilmSack. And uh, FilmSack is where Scott Johnson and Brian Ibbett and Brian Dunaway and I all watch a film that you may have seen, you may not have seen, you may have considered not worthy of watching, and we explain why it's worthy of watching, and at the same time, we have so much fun. It's, <laughs> it's the funniest experience of my life right now, and it's, it's even funnier when I record an episode of Film Sack with the guys, and then like a week later, I listen back to that episode, and it, I'm laughing out loud at it. It's, it's so strange. To, to experience that, so of course that's not something you could do, but you could experience <laughs> you could experience something like that. You could you could pretend that that you were experiencing that. Don't you don't you do it live? I guess you don't. I don't think I've what ever do you mean? seen the the recording of the show. I mean, we're definitely all alive while we're recording, and we're all talking at the same time. <laughs> live, as in streaming it. Does Scott stream it? We do not stream Film Sack Live. Right. We do not. So you definitely cannot live that through that experience twice. Uh, but you know what? If you if you want to have a little bit of that fun, you can go listen to that show, and you can also yeah. It's there, it's there's something about movie podcasts. I don't know. The the Movie Licious is definitely the one where I'm having the most fun. I mean, I'm not saying it's the best, but it's probably the one where I'm having the most fun out of all the ones I do. So I don't know. Movies for the win. Both uh, are highly recommended. I love Film Sack and Movielicious is hilarious to listen to as well. See, Kelly says, listen to it. So <laughs> listen to that. So you should. And, Two you know, thumbs I, I, up. I absolutely love, I love Patrick and, and Nicole and Terpster. And, and you know that. You know how much I love you guys. So I hope you don't take it as anything but a compliment. The funniest thing on the internet about movies are the posters for every episode of Movielicious. <laughs> I will. I absolutely yeah, those, agree Those are that. funny. God, those are horrifying. I have nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I just finished next week's one. Wait till you see it. Oh, I can't wait. I, I sent you the picture for that one, and oh. I, I'm so looking forward to see how it turned out. Uh, so you can do that too by going to uh, well you can actually listen to all of these shows on the Frogpan Studios uh, network site thing because we're all part of the same network uh, you will find uh, all of these shows at frogpants.com which is the network that Scott is building the empire should I say uh, and if you're not that much into movie you might want to go listen to Sword and Laser uh, the show from Tom Merritt and Veronica Belmont about uh, it's, it's their little science fiction book club basically so you can also go listen to that and maybe you should catch up with your recommendations for apps for app slappy for example, yes, I, I could be uh, better at that. I have missed a couple of shows in the past month. Uh, but, you know, I have to uh, take the time to play with my iPhone 4, which you don't have. That's yeah. the reason. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Are we no, talking we don't. about that now? <laughs> I'm sorry, Randy? 
I said, no, we don't. I don't have an iPhone 4. I want one, uh, but I don't you have know, one. You know what? You, you know what is the nicest thing about the iPhone 4? I will tell you. Once we all have iPhone 4s, we can use FaceTime to call each other for free. Once we're on, you know, when we're in our houses, it's Wi-Fi for free. And we don't have to log into Skype or anything. We can just call from the, the phone. It's fantastic. Anyway, that's going to do it for us. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash notpatrick. And uh, you can follow us on the uh, show's blog at thephiliusclub.com. That's going to be it for us once again. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys for being on the show. It was a blast as usual. And we will talk to you again in a month for show number 27. I think so. We'll see that once we're there. Talk to you soon, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. 